Welcome to AM Best Audio. We're here in Monte Carlo for the Rendezvous de September. For AM Best TV, I'm Richard Banks. Now here in Monte Carlo, cyber is always high on the agenda of discussion points. And I'm joined now by an expert panel to discuss the segment in a little bit more detail. And we're joined by Brittany Baker, VP Solution Consulting at Cybercube. And Andy Moore, London market leader, PwC. And Sean Ram, head of insurance, Coalition. So as we're discussing um, cyber, there's a very real danger of a wide mismatch between the client and insurer expectations. How does the industry minimize that risk? Brittany, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, so at CyberCube, we're really here to support the insurance industry on that journey. So thinking through what are the events that could happen and what are the losses that would be incurred through those events, really starting from an economic view so that the insurance industry is able to think through, all right, what is insurable? How are we defining the scope of those events and those losses that are incurred? And then really working to provide coverage to the economy that is looking for that. So, you know, we're not the ones writing it ourselves and making those decisions, but we're here to really be a partner and a thought leader with the insurance companies that are thinking through that, that really tough question. I think it's a great question. We uh, at PwC, we've just launched our insurance banana skins report, which we do every two years. And that's a study across the insurance sector of risk. And cybercrime is the number one risk for the second survey in a row. And the people responding uh, are looking at it in a number of ways. But insurers are in an incredibly privileged position in some ways to think about this. Not only do they suffer the risks as all other companies do, because they have great volumes of data, they have a huge number of things which criminals find very attractive. But also they're thinking about cyber from, from the other perspective. They're thinking about how they protect their clients and their customers. So putting those two things together, I think, is one of the ways in which they can think about improving what they have. Thinking about this not only in terms of what the underlying economy needs, but also they have experts within their own businesses thinking about what they protect. I think it's one of the uh, critical areas for them to focus on. Uh, we're in the middle of a massive revolution, an, an industrial revolution, around the digitization of really everything. <clears throat> Technology is driving economic growth and efficiency throughout the world. This is leading to tremendous increase in risk. Uh, companies around the world are demanding products, insurance products, that can support the risks that they have around digitizing data, confidential information, certainly transactional-related information. Uh, uh, in addition, uh, privacy is being codified around the world as well. Um, the, the dynamic nature of risk that this creates is prevalent throughout the world. Um, as a result, uh, equally, the insurance products, um, the solutions, the risk management services that are being provided in order to address the risk needs to be also dynamic. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think there's a, a tremendous opportunity for uh, insurers, reinsurers to think about this risk in a far more sophisticated fashion uh, because of how quickly it's changing. If you think about, let's call it 10 years or so ago, many people referred to 2011, 2012 as the year of the breach. Uh, you had Home Depot, Target, many other breaches that occurred. A few years later, like the topic of the day in cyber risk was really social engineering, cybercrime in that fashion. Well, today it's ransomware, right? If you solve ransomware, to some degree you solve cyber. 
that this period of time of roughly 10 years, having cyber so dynamically change from a risk and a threat environment uh, is indicative of how quickly the insurance community needs to adapt as well. So you've all talked uh, about the demands of the uh, of the client. You've talked about the response of uh, the insurers and, and the reinsurers. How well do they match together? Um, Brittany, do you want to? You know, I think it's something that we're still moving through. Um, absolutely, it's you know, we've reached a certain level of maturity, but it's still a, a maturing market. Um, so we're still seeing a, a bit of a mismatch, but I really like what Sean said about the dynamic nature. You're seeing groups really try to make sure that they are keeping pace, not only with the threat landscape, but with kind of the business needs as well. So, you know, we haven't solved ransomware. We haven't solved that issue, but I think um, we're, we're doing some pretty good work there? Uh, I, I think there's st still a way to go. Um, you've got a very real difference between how insurers are thinking about cyber and how reinsurers are thinking about cyber. So across cyber classes, there is an awful lot of, uh, of insurance being written, but there's still a very big gap between what people need in terms of coverage and what they're buying. And that's around people's risk appetite. For reinsurers, they're much less keen because they're looking at the real tail risk of this. They're looking at the very bad events that could occur and trying to avoid you know, their exposures in that area. And I think, I think the key point there is around the interconnectedness of risk. And this is a lot of what our survey said. Uh, you know, cyber has developed over the last 10 years in many different ways. But even in this last year, the developments that we've seen with AI have added a further complexity in terms of whether it be social engineering aspects or you know, how these things it may be. We saw this through the pandemic and our risk survey, you know, the banana skin survey really focuses on this area. Technology is another high risk within because the pandemic moved so many things into a different world. We created so many more openings into companies and changed that risk. So I think the risk has changed, but I think until people really understand what that risk means for their their, their exposures, they may not be able to get their appetites right. And that match between insurance and reinsurance, I think still has some way to be, to, to be brought together. Uh, as we think about the accelerated manner in which claims have changed, I think that has put insurers at a, in a precarious position, right? Um, you had this experience in the past where you would have a data breach and you'd have this like long period of time to evaluate the claim, to understand the cost of the claim, uh, what litigation trends were, et cetera. Well, today you get ransom today and within a few days you have to make a ransomware payment and the insurer is saying, well, I haven't built the actuarial, like I haven't reserved the risk appropriately, et cetera. So I think it's, it's changed dramatically. However, I do believe that insurers have come a long way. I think the product has tremendous value. Um, in terms of covering the most notable risks today around ransomware, social engineering, business email compromise, privacy related um, liability, regulatory um, items as well. Um, and I think it provides a tremendous service. If you're a corporation and uh, a small business or a large company, cyber insurance needs to be a part of your risk management strategy in addition to cybersecurity. Having said that, I do believe there are opportunities for improvement this topic of systemic risk, there's a tremendous amount of disparity in the insurance industry around what a systemic event is, um, how much it costs, how to quantify that, how to model that appropriately. And I think that disparity as the, um, as the divergence of beliefs kind of 
comes closer together, it's always difficult quantifying something that hasn't occurred yet, right? Um, and so not surprisingly, the insurers have had some challenges with this. I do believe there's been a tremendous amount of data. Um, I could argue that there's more data available in cyber risk than any other uh, risk area in the world. Uh, so leveraging that data, harnessing that information in order to get more parity around how we think about the risk, how we underwrite it, uh, will provide tremendous advantages to just improving the product as well as pricing and capacity as well. There's a lot to pick up on there, Sean, but uh, I noticed you mentioned systemic risk and everybody started nodding very vigorously. There's clearly a, a, an important element within the whole cyber discussion. If we come back down the panel, should we just talk a little bit about uh, cyber, about the systemic uh, nature of uh, cyber yeah, risk? I, I, your point is absolutely right, and I think it does link with some of the points I was making before on the, you know, the interconnectedness of those risks. But understanding what that systemic risk, I think, is very, very challenging. But also, what happens in in those events? Um, if we if we look about sort of you know mass outages, if we're looking about you know fundamental. Uh, issues around people being able to run their business for extended period of time due to some form of sort of you know systemic cyber event reducing significant access to technology over an extended period th th there's a lot of data around estimates around you know how quickly and what size the eco economic impact of that is it's only sort of two or three days and it runs into the trillions uh, so I do think that that is is a big challenge now whether or not insurance coverages are actually adequate for that or indeed insurance coverage is what people need in those events. In many circumstances, there are the points around ransomware and the need for money, but in most circumstances, what businesses need in a real cyber effect is getting back into business quickly. And I see one of the big systemic risks as being there simply aren't enough technologists to help people in those circumstances. In catastrophe insurance, we always look at demand surge when you have you know catastrophic events are there enough builders and plumbers and you know people available to you know get buildings back into shape in a mass cyber event the availability of technologists to be able to restand businesses back up there won't be enough people and i think that's one of the critical aspects that that systemic risk picks up it's a really important point isn't it Brittany? no it's a really important point and i think one of the things that we at each of our companies have been able to really pull in is bringing in not only the insurance expertise, but those cyber intelligence experts as well. You know, what do those events look like? What have we seen in the past? What have been near misses? But what is possible today that they're seeing in the cyber intelligence data that we just will not have seen in traditional insurance data? I really liked your point, Sean, that there is so much data in the cyber world. It just looks and smells differently than what we're used to. And how do we harness that? Um, but understanding, you know, like you said, the demand surge is there might be a demand surge, but is there even money to spend to do that and, and resources to actually bring that in? That's something that we really have been thinking about. And that looks differently in, you know, if it's an outage or if it's a, a specific malware event. You know, one of the things we were talking about the other day with with a, a partner is, you know, government response. What does that look like? I, I think people outside of this circle might not think about the response of a FEMA type of organization if businesses aren't around to provide resources that people need that don't look like technology, but that are getting access to water and food and other things. That That's a very real possibility as well. And so it's just those widespread impacts beyond even traditional, I'll put it in quotes, like cyber <laughs> and technology risks. 
Well, that's a really important point because cyber doesn't exist in a, in a vacuum, does it? It is, it is so interconnected. And I guess one of the, the criticisms that's often leveled at the insurance industry uh, is that it's always looking to address the last disaster. Um, how does it get on the front foot in, with, with cyber and, and prepare for the next market changing event? Yeah, so I'll just call back to my my discussion around bringing in those cyber intelligence professionals and helping us think through things that we don't see in our day to day. What are the threat actor behaviors that they're seeing elsewhere? What are they gearing up for? Because they can see, you know, the near misses. They can see the attempts in different areas that need to be on our radar today. And then talking about the possibilities of technologies that are still developing. You know, quantum computing is something that needs to be thought about now before we're actually seeing impacts in the widespread use of, of that technology. Those are things that we need to think about today to prepare for 5, 10, 15 years down the line. Uh, there are some things you can prepare for, but you don't know exactly what the risks are and how they're going to manifest themselves. So, so for me, I think it's about people really understanding what the coverage is that businesses need that can be flexible when you don't know what the specific threat is going to be. You do know what the impact's going to be on your business if things go badly. Um, one of the things that we do at PwC, is, you know, we work with people to think about how they protect their businesses. We work with the insurance industry to think about how they write coverages. But the third thing that we do is we, we work with corporates to think about what insurance they should buy. But not just what insurance they should buy, what insurance shouldn't they buy? So how do they put the suite of things together in their protection where they should self-insure, the systems that they should build to protect themselves, and for the things that they then can't do themselves, how do they put that coverage for those, those points into the market? And I think we'll see more and more of that. I think we'll see more complexity around the products. You cannot predict everything that will happen, but you can prepare for what some of the ramifications may be. Uh, a few comments on this topic. So it's interesting as we look back over the last few years, and we think about the notable um, I guess, vulnerabilities, right? Some of them zero days, some of them like uh, what happened this summer, uh, end of or beginning of summer with Move It. Uh, we look back at Log4j, kind of solar winds, things of that nature. Each of these vulnerabilities to some degree had commentary around causing uh, an element of systemic risk and uh, like the next vulnerability, right? Um, we've been very deliberate in our approach to this in that we treat them like just that, just the next vulnerability, right? Um, they have not led to systemic events in a meaningful way. Um, and there's a reason for that. Oftentimes when we compare large events uh, that have potential for systemic-like consequences, we, in the insurance industry, we kind of think of property. And we think about a large windstorm or a large earthquake coming. And to some degree, there's not much you can do about that, right? Like you've already put in, you've already built your building, right? It can withstand a certain type of earthquake or whatever it might be. Uh, the nuance in cyber is you can interdict, right? You can patch. You can put your software behind a VPN. You can implement MFA. Uh, you can remove the software, right? Um, and there is a, a kill chain, if you will, and on how adversaries exploit organizations. And it takes time and it takes resources. And I think that's a, a 
an important point of view on cyber that is not widely recognized throughout the insurance community because we so commonly think of it as a property related event. Uh, the beauty of cyber is uh, you can improve your risk, right? You can change your risk. Um, a vulnerability could attack many companies around you, uh, including yourself, but you can have an opportunity to actually uh, play a role in mitigating the disaster before it becomes a claim. Um, and that's one of the beauties of cyber risk because it's so dy it's dynamic on both sides, not just from the adversarial perspective, but also from a risk management perspective. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, everybody. Sean, Andy, Brittany. For AMBEST TV, I'm Richard Banks. Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day, find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.